With gene editing, plant breeders are able to design new plants to meet specific needs, even with complicated products like wheat. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. You're hearing more these days about gene editing and how it might be used. We talked with Catherine Fouillet, the chief scientific officer at Inari, where she leads a team of scientists focused on unlocking the full potential of seed. While Inari works with corn, soybeans, and other major crops, Fouillet has a love for wheat, the most complicated of crop genomes. This French scientist actually led the global effort to sequence the bread wheat genome and continues to work with wheat at Inari. She shared insight on news that the company has entered into a new agreement with Intergrain in Australia to speed development of new wheat varieties there. And she offers her perspective on the future of gene editing despite pushback from Europe. I really enjoyed this conversation about designing crops of the future. So I want to welcome Catherine Fouillet to Around Farm Progress. And today we're talking about a crop that is globally critical and agronomically complicated, and that's wheat. It's a crop you've basically dedicated your life to, haven't you? Yes, it is. And I'm always very passionate about speaking about wheat. So um, as someone who mostly looks at corn and soybeans, I keep forgetting wheat is actually more complicated, complicated than humans, correct? Yes, it is. The size of the genome is uh, five times bigger than the human genome. And in a way, we can say it's three times more complicated because there are three genomes at least in the bread wheat, what is grown in most of the surfaces on Earth, there are three genomes, and this makes it even more complicated. Well, you would know. You you headed up the team that actually unlocked the genome for bread wheat, correct? Yes, correct. So we spent uh, 13 years of our lives collectively with many people around the world to yes unlock the bread wheat genome, and that was a really nice adventure. So let's talk about you're at Inari now. You're working on the seed design platform. What does that all mean? Why should a wheat farmer care about what you're doing? I guess that's a question I like to ask. Good. So, so the seed design, the, the our principle is that uh, we would like to move a bit away from the way we have been doing breeding for many years, which is uh, playing with big numbers making a lot of crosses, making a lot of progress. But at the end of the process, which can take 10 to 15 years, we, we still don't know what we have been doing, right? We have something that is better, but we don't really know why. And the idea of the seed design is like building the knowledge and then doing the breeding on purpose and accelerating the timeline. So instead of 10, 15 years, it's getting to two, four years because this is what is needed at the moment because we have urgencies everywhere. We have urgencies in feeding people even more, and it's starting to become, again, a problem, you know, with uh, what we are living these days. And we have a problem with how we have been doing production and impacting the planet. So we have an urgency to manage, and we need to be much more efficient in what we are doing. So the seed design is really to extract the value from the seed and do it in a quicker way. Basically identifying the traits for yield and quality and then accelerating how they get into one plant? I mean, that's, I guess, that farmers think a certain way. How does that work? Yes, exactly. So, and so I would be broader than that is identifying sequences that are causal to the phenotypes, right? And traditionally, we are thinking about in trait and, and but it's, it's often more the biotech way, you know, the GM way of looking at it. I would say there are a lot of causal sequences to the phenotypes, 
We are uh, living a, a revolution at the moment in the technologies, right? We can produce data like never before. It's cheaper, way faster to produce data. We have the artificial intelligence kind of rebirth, you know, after a winter on it, that is really helping us to extract the knowledge from this data. And that's where it's important to have the knowledge. And then we have the editing tools that enable us to precisely do the modification. And for me, and that's the reason I joined Inari, we are really at the convergence of these three revolutions and be able to apply it to do seed design and transform the way we are doing breeding. So yes, identifying what sequence to edit because it's causal to a phenotype, how to edit it and having the toolbox to do this edit precisely within a short term frame. That is really the driver of the seed design platform. That's pretty accelerated breeding. I mean, you're using gene editing and I know you have a new agreement with what is it? Australia's Intergrain. Mm -hmm. I think that yes. they're working with you. Uh, yes. I assume Australia is as open to gene editing as the United States is. Um, but we have a problem with wheat. And the problem with wheat is the government or the policy side of wheat and wheat breeding. How do you get around that or how do you work with that in terms of acceptance of even gene editing in Europe, for example? Yes. So, so you know, being French, as people can hear, <laughs> I am very well aware of the problem that we have in uh, in Europe. That being said, so there were big problems with the GM acceptance in Europe. Uh, I'm not going to comment too much as why, but I think there have been some uh, um, difficulties in communicating the benefit of it. I think this is taking a different turn with the editing. So you, you have heard, you know, there was, uh, it's considered as GMO, GMO by default at the moment, but there have been a lot of discussions and uh, even the European Commission is asking now, you know, to look at it again. Because I think people see that editing is a different animal than GMs because we are editing existing genes. It's very close to what breeding has been doing. But as I explained, it's, it's doing breeding by design rather than mm -hmm. doing breeding randomly. And therefore, I think the idea is changing. We have a lot of the academic world that is also helping in explaining better what this is about. I think so. So I feel... Everywhere in the world, the light is turning green in many aspects. So yes, in the Americas, we, we know it. Even Japan, for example, that was traditionally also rather you know, anti-GM, has just agreed to put on the market a tomato that has been edited by CRISPR. You know, so, so we see that. And I think in Europe, it's getting greener as well. Uh, coming back to France, you know, the Ministry of Agriculture a few months ago you know, commented that he also sees the new building techniques more as a, as a breeding rather than GM. So I think we are getting in the right direction. Well, I think that makes sense. Obviously, Europe is kind of the, the uh, cornerstone of high yield wheat, uh, mm -hmm. the wheat yields in Europe. I mean, when you're in a European wheat field, that wheat head doesn't look like anything I've ever seen in Kansas. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing how big that is and what that looks like. And that's fascinating. So with Intergrain, though, now you're bringing this seed design technology from the the office or the lab into the field, right? I mean, you're going to be doing work with their gene, their uh, phenotypes and working on jacking up their, their yield? Yes, we are. That's really, uh, so that's part of our model to partner. So partnership is very important for Inari. So here we partner with, you know, the number two breeder in, in Australia. They want to get access, you know, to our technology. And so, yes, we have regular discussions. I have actually one next week with them where we discuss, you know, what are their favorite varieties. And then we are dis discussing what design we want to have and how we are going to do, you know, the modifications. And we do that hand in hand. So we have uh, started to get their variety, started to do transformation, to see how they react to transformation, 
and get into the design. So it's very exciting because we are both super excited to make that happen in WIT. You know, we all have been living biotech WIT. I have been in WIT, as you mentioned, for mm-hmm. about 30 years. And I have seen a lot of the waves of excitement of trying to get, I would say, wit out of its misery because biotech <laughs> has never been really used in, in, in wit. And I see with the genome editing really an opportunity like never before. And I think Intergrain sees the same. So we are really excited to do that together. Well, and that is exciting. I mean, when I when you first think of genetic editing, it's often about turning a trade on or trade off in terms of just a simple almost a binary approach to gene editing. Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about is is a kind of a whole new build the building blocks, determine the genes, and this is the sequence that will make the wheat that I want to be, that this variety A can become A++, right? Is that exactly. how I'm looking at seed design? Yeah, ex- exactly. It's it's embracing the, the complexity of what we are trying to improve, right? So as you mentioned, uh, and I've been fighting that as a scientist for many years as well, is like uh, we cannot make biology simple and linear and just a black and white answer. It works for a few traits, right? For disease resistance, we have one gene, one phenotype. It worked uh, well in the GM because it's the same for herbicide tolerance and for pest control with bacterial right. genes. But whenever you want to touch genes that impact yield, or the efficiency of nitrogen use or whatever, then you 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 deal with a myriad of genes and networks, and then it becomes complicated. And we had no possibility before we had genome sequences, before we had you know the capacity to do machine learning and crunch this data to really make sense of this complexity. But now we do, and this is what we really, really want to embrace. So yes, the design will be complex. We will target several genes and sequences at the same time, and we need an editing toolbox that enable us to do that. That's why we are also pushing a bit the frontiers of what is done in editing. And we are not doing one knockout on one gene because that's not what is going to give us a higher yield. It's like several modifications of several genes at the same time. And that's exactly what we do with Intergrain. That is going to be exciting. Um, that's a lot of computing horsepower, I think, that uh, you're putting to this. Um, when you talk about a 10-year time frame to get to a new wheat variety, um, now you're talking, are you talking two and three years to get to something new and exciting in Australia? I think, no, in Australia, we are, we are and, also, and it's an ambitious plan still. We are talking yes. more about 26, 27, so more four or five years, and it's still an ambitious plan. So, But, uh, <laughs> but that's a bit, we, we have stretch goals in this company because this is helping us to really push the boundaries beyond what we think we can do today, right? So that has been a, a big driver for us. Well, I mean, Anari as a startup has, you know, gone through a lot of things to get to the focus that you're in today. You're working in wheat, but you also work in corn and soybeans, right? I mean, Gina, you're bringing this bioinformatics and the genome data to all the basic uh, uh, feed grain crops, right? Yeah, correct. Because we we had the choice to make at the very beginning of the, the story of Inari is because uh, our mission is to support, you know, uh, feeding people and uh, also protecting the planet. And we thought we can only do that if we are working on the crops that has the most grown and impact the most the planet, right? So if we work on soy, corn, and wheat, and we really can make a difference there, then we are going to be able to significantly contribute to feeding people and 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 protecting the planet. So that that is really, and that's not the most easy thing to do. These are not the easiest crop to manage, but uh, I think in our area, it's important that we do what needs to be done, not what is easy to do or what can be done today. 
Well, as the chief scientific officer, you've taken on a pretty big role at Inari. Um, how, tell me about Inari. How big is it? Where does it? Where are its facilities? And how does that all work? So we are about 200 at Inari, so we grew quite significantly since I, I joined four years ago. We were about you know, 35, 40, and we were in one location in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where we are still uh, located today with our headquarters, and, and uh, let's say two-thirds of the scientific uh, uh, teams are here. We have another research facility in Ghent, in Belgium. So we have uh, the science team on, on both uh, uh, parts of the, of the continent. And then we have our product uh, teams working in West Lafayette, Indiana, okay. where we there have a lot of you know, more space than you can imagine in Cambridge to grow plants in the fields <laughs> and also in greenhouses. So we have about 100 people in Indiana. So that has grown quite a lot uh, as well in the past years. Well, it's great that you have some farmland you can work in because, you know, I've been to Ghent and I've also been to Cambridge and there's no place to put anything. That's no. absolutely true. <laughs> well, in Ghent, actually, there are, you can do field trials and there are greenhouse, but Cambridge, definitely not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Kent, yeah Ghent's a beautiful town. It's uh, I've been to the back, yeah. Max Planck there. It's a beautiful facility. Yeah. So as, as we look at this thing, though, and I'll go back to wheat for a minute, one of the cool things about complexity at least in my mind, and you can set me right if I'm wrong, is that because of there's complexity, there's a lot of stuff to work with, correct? It gives you a lot of opportunity, even exactly. though it's it's giant. I mean, when you say I can identify these genes for nitrogen and uh, protein content and gluten or whatever you want to do, it's all in there. I agree. Uh, and maybe two angles on the opportunity, because that's also a motto for us at Inari, so you capture it well, is like when there is something difficult, there is an opportunity and <laughs> in two things. So in wheat in particular, because I mentioned, you know, these three genomes and there is a lot of redundancy of information. It's actually a good opportunity to play with, with these three genomes, right? And then we can imagine you can play on the dosage of the different modification mm -hmm. without having to, to, to do something uh, more difficult than that. So that's an opportunity. But the other opportunity more globally for Inari is tackling complexity and complex problem because usually other people are kind of reluctant to do that. So it gives us a differentiation also to our competitors. I think to have in a way, you. I call it boldness. Other people maybe call it foolishness, but it's like to, 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 to embrace this complexity. But I'm really convinced, you know, uh, as a scientist, that this is the moment that we have a window of opportunity and we need to build on today. You know? There's a fine line between boldness and foolishness. We all know yeah. that. And, and I've been walking and, it all my life long. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to decide how you want to surf that wave. That's always how I look at it. But well, from the standpoint... You know, yeah, I would not have sequenced the wheat genome if I would have known it would have taken 13 years of my life probably at the beginning, right? <laughs> I don't know. I think when you were a kid and you saw those starving people, that was a nice motivation for you too, I yeah, believe. That's that's, that's, that's what drives a lot of people in your business, though. I believe this. those images, uh, when I talk to food scientists and geneticists, it's all about feeding the world. And I think this is exciting. One of the, the I think, luxuries Inari has is you technically don't have a product in the market to support. And that gives you some freedom that maybe some established companies don't have, but that's okay. You can partner with them. But does that, is that also true? That we don't have yet a product on the market. That is completely true, but we have things in the pipeline and we have, right. you know, first, uh, let's say our first prototypes that are tested by our customers. So, you know, we have some uh, uh, network of customers. So we are pretty excited actually to our 
uh, in this case, is soybean, you know, and so we have already things that we start to, to see. Uh, but yes, we don't have everything on broad acres at the moment, but that's the goal, you know, we are, we are working for it. But we like to also speak about things when we have proven them, right? So that's where right. we, we are building up. Right. And obviously the seed design platform opens a lot of doors. I mean, when you're talking to other partners um, and then also your own product, absolutely. So. Yeah, because I think what uh, also people are uh, waiting for is more choice, right? So I think we, we come here to also provide choice and we will have to show that this is worth it, right? That this, these are good good products. And I think uh, I see also our seed design platform as an engine to create new diversity. I really believe that, you know, the editing technologies and all the knowledge we built is going to provide more diversity than what we have been able to do before by mutagenesis, for example, or by, you know, or waiting that Mother Nature is producing the diversity. So it's kind of really accelerating also, in a way, the process. And I think that that is also for the breeders. So so we, we, we look at it not as a replacement of the biotech and the GM approach, you know, right. the, the engine. we look at it as an engine to build new diversity and then also for the breeders to pick from this new diversity. The big difference with the regular way of doing it is that whatever we pick, we exactly know what we have done. Right. And that's where the design kicks in. And then we can reproduce it on other lines and therefore we are way more efficient, you know, than, than we were before. You kind of take the mystery out of it. <laughs> Sometimes breeding is uh, is let's slam these two together and see what comes out of it. And I think that uh, that's by doing this targeted and, and I'm hearing this targeted concept being deployed by other major companies in terms of uh, uh, bioinformatics and parent inbreds for corn and knowing what the crosses will actually yield. Yes. We're coming a long way in understanding how these, these genes interact. And yeah. the work that Seed Design does helps build on that. From that standpoint, though, we go back to wheat for a minute. Uh, wheat is often a saved seed. It's often um, in the global market. So that changes the economics a little bit. How does mm -hmm. that play for someone like Intergrain or anybody you work with in terms of doing something with wheat? Yeah. So I think the, the favorable situation in Australia is that, you know, there is a levy system that, you know, yeah. that provides uh, um, uh, money for continuing to feed the research, which I think is a good system. But at the same time, you know, the, what people like Intergrain uh, do is that they try to come with a better variety as often as possible. And the opportunity I see with wheat is to accelerate that. So rather than maybe having a turnover of a variety every seven or eight years, it may be every two or three years. And therefore, it's helping to address the problems of the farmer in a more timely manner, right? Uh, and so that that's really where I see. So I say I don't think it's a problem that people save seed, but if we are good at having a faster cycle, we are going to be able to provide them with a better offer every year, and hopefully they are insensitive to get that because it's better than what they would save, right? Well, and that's true. It hasn't always been a better offer in the wheat market, so yeah. saving seed <laughs> has been a good payoff for those guys, and I get that too. That's for yeah. sure. Well, I really wish you a lot of luck in your work. I actually would like to eventually make it to West Lafayette into the field oh, and, yeah, look at, and look at that crop. Um, we'll see how this goes. This summer may or may not be that time. It's one of those years as we come off of a pandemic, but uh, Catherine Fouillet, for the Chief Scientific Officer from Inari, thank you for spending time with me today. I appreciate it. Um, thank you very much for having me and you will be welcome anytime in West Lafayette. Thanks very much. You can hear the energy and enthusiasm Fouillet brings to the challenge of using gene editing to design and build future crops. 
The technology is basically advanced plant breeding, bringing a level of precision needed to meet future food needs. Thanks to Catherine Fouillet for her time and her work, and we look forward to learning more about the new products coming from Inari. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and more. And if you have a smart speaker, all you have to do is tell it to listen to Around Farm Progress, and you'll hear the latest episode. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands as well as farm futures, beef, national hog farmer, and feedstuffs, and our events including the Farm Progress Show, Husker Harvest Days, and the New York Farm Show. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.